This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is a premier male grooming company with the star Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, and we want to be able to share the savings with you, our awesome listeners. So you can use the promo code BLUECHIP, all one word, to get 20% off your next order. Don't let your balls down. Get the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Nation. I'm joined, as always, by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scouting, Devin Jackson. Devin, how are you today? Before we hear from Devin, before we hear from Devin, just a heads up, Devin and I have been awake for a combined 25 minutes. So if we sound a little tired today, that is why. But anyways, Devin, how are you today? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Um, college football regular season is over. So I don't like it, Devin. It means I have to focus more on the NFL. That is oh true. Oh God, also. what are we gonna do? Uh we're gonna have no choice but to discuss the NFL because there's or we can just be... literally focus on the draft. That's true. That's true. It is a draft podcast, so it is a draft podcast. I don't feel like talking about the NFL. Cause then I might have to talk about Jalen Rager, and I don't want to have to do that. Yeah, that's not ideal. But, you know, Devin's in a, in a much happier mood than he normally is on a Monday. Uh, and that's because he had the weekend off. Yeah, that I did. Uh, just consumed it with football, pretty much. <laughs> that is, you know what? I'm very jealous because I didn't get to do that. I had to focus half of my weekend on, on school projects. But we're not here to talk about that. We're actually going to do the Tuesday pod a little bit different than normal. Normally, we come on here, we talk about all of the the top 25 games, we break them all down as in-depth as we feel is necessary. But today, we're going with something different. There were a lot of games in the top 25 that did not matter, like did not matter whatsoever. There's no point in us breaking down UConn versus Houston because Houston was in their conference championship regardless. UConn sucks, all right? Notre Dame versus Stanford had no stakes in it whatsoever. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about the games in the top 25 that actually mattered. Then we're going to have our break, and then we're going to come back. Because there was college football news, and Devin and I got to break all of that down because what else would we would we talk about? If we just did the games that mattered, this would be a 15-minute podcast. Devin and I are all about stretching for time. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a crazy weekend outside of playing. I mean, got coaches leaving places, uh, even though they said they wouldn't go to other places. But what, yeah. what do we know? <laughs> exactly. Let's get into it. All right. So going back to... Uh, well, I, I just want to talk about the Egg Bowl uh, for a qu- quick second. That game did not matter, but Ole Miss winning, that was a fun game. Uh, Sam Will- uh, Sam Williams, the the edge for, is, is his last name Williams and I'm not having a stroke? Yeah, it's Williams. Okay, Sam Williams, the edge for Mississippi, uh, that poor right tackle for Mississippi State, man. He he whooped that ass 
all game long. Sam Williams is good. Like, he's really freaking good. Yeah, he had two sacks. Uh, two sacks. I think he could have had, like, three more. or four. Yeah, he got close to more. I mean, yeah, the, the right tackle is brutal for Mississippi State. Charles Cross was solid, but, yeah, he he had a rough game. Yeah, he's had he's uh, had a rough season. I think I would I would say the least. The right tackle. Yeah, yeah. Um, then on Friday there were five games, but really the only one that matters. Devin North Carolina versus North Carolina State. Unfortunately, it didn't come out to matter in in the grand scheme of things at the end. But that game was on drugs, so we need to talk about it. Two teams this weekend blew very winnable games. Very two very distinct teams. Like and North Carolina was up thirty to twenty one mm-hmm. with a minute and forty six seconds left. Now you guys were watching this live. I was watching this on delay, so I had it recorded because I had been doing schoolwork, and then I think I started this game at like ten p.m. And I was just going snap to whistle. So I got through the game in like an hour and 15 minutes or something insane like that. And it got to the point where you guys had already spoiled the game for me. And I don't get mad at you when things like that happen because, you know, I'm watching it on, on a time delay. And it's not like I'm 30 seconds behind. I'm I'm like, the game is over by the time I'm starting it. So I'm not going to get pissy. But I knew this, the final score was 34 to 30 for NC State, but it was 30 to 21 with a minute and 46 seconds left. And in my head, I'm trying to figure out how the hell this ended up happening without going to overtime. Yeah, I mean, North Carolina did everything you can do wrong to lose a game. I mean, first of all, you're giving up a 64-yard touchdown with a minute left. To a Mecca Amezi, who is not a fast wideout. You can't bust the coverage. It's not like he's a burn. It's not like he's a burner. They didn't get burned by like. Give me a fast wide receiver in college. I can't think. Jamison Williams. There you go. It's not like Jamison Williams hit you on a nine route and you were fucked. Look how Messi runs like a four five five. And they he just, beat Cliff, he beat Clifton Duck clean by like five yards by the time he caught that ball. Well, they just busted the coverage. You just can't do that at that point in the game. So okay, fine. You bust the coverage. Whatever. You give up a quick score. It's not ideal. All right. Onside kick. You have The fucking to, kicker recovers it. You have to prepare for that. Like, not everyone's going to do a traditional onside kick. They weren't prepared for that. And North Carolina State recovers. Okay. That happens. All right. The game is still winnable. Look, you're still up. It's fine. Then you go out there. I, I do disagree with the, the rough and the passer call. I think that was not a good call. Yeah, it wasn't a great call. But that aside, can't do a pass interference call, and then Mezzi just mossed the absolute hell out of the North Carolina corner. I I just – everything could go wrong, went wrong for them on that final minute and a half. You you can't bust the coverage. You can't. You gotta be better prepared for the onside kick, but it happens. It's a miracle. Everyone gets a miracle every once in a while, but then you just can't commit penalties at the end of the game. They, they just did everything you can to lose the game wrong. 
And honestly, I don't think Sam Howell played all that great. I thought he did what he could with what he had. And, you know, he, he ran the ball a ton. North Carolina was running the ball and should have won the game. I mean, the game, in my mind, was over at 30 at 21. It, it should not have come to this. But they still find a way to lose. Uh, oh, man. I, I genuinely don't know how. Like, because it, it, here's the thing. They were down nine points with a minute 46 left. They were then winning the game with a minute left. It took like 46 seconds for all of that to unfold. Yeah, once that happens, though, you're done. You're <laughs> the done. game is you're over. Done. Like, it, there's nothing that Sam Howell could have done in that last minute that would have changed the outcome of that game. No. Because, uh, I mean, it wasn't his fault they were even losing at that point because he didn't touch the ball. Nope. Until it was too late, so. Uh, moving ahead on to the games on Saturday. Uh, I mean, I'm now, now they're, they're ordered by ranking. Georgia versus Georgia Tech didn't really matter because Georgia was already in that. They've, they've definitely clinched being the number one team in the nation heading into the, into conference championship week. They pounded the crap out of Georgia Tech, 45 nothing. And I'm going to skip the, the Auburn Bowl, uh, sorry, the Auburn Alabama Iron Bowl entirely. Bama's lucky they won. And when you're going up to face Georgia, that that doesn't instill a lot of confidence in me when you barely escape a Bo Nixless uh Auburn twenty four to twenty two. By the way, the uh, the Iron Bowl being decided by uh, all right, I guess we are covering this game. The Iron Bowl being decided by this stupid two point conversion fest bullshit. I hate it. Well, I mean, Auburn should have just won the game overtime. Another very winnable game. I uh, genuinely I mean, hate this rule, Devin. I genuinely hate this rule. I know why they're trying to shorten games, but in the long run, it's just going to extend games. I, I it's didn't see anything so wrong. dumb. I, I didn't hate see anything it. wrong with the, uh, the overtime rules from before because you're making someone score. And make the two point conversion. So yeah. that's difficult enough. But yeah, you have to score and then you have to, to do a two point conversion. Other than just, we're going to line you up on the two. And then you just have to get in. We're going to give you two points every time. And we're going to do it on opposite ends of the damn field. So we waste like two minutes every yeah. game. It, like they're, oh, they make that oh, long walk. And I, then hope the, they, then I hope they, they realize, it. I hope they realize that this is not working and they go back to the way it was. I doubt it. Oh, I, oh, oh. But yeah, Auburn should have won the game. You, I mean, you had 98 yards for Alabama to stop them. And they had, it was like a minute left. You tell me you couldn't get them to get off the field on fourth down multiple times on that drive. It's just another very winnable game. But Bad teams are going to find ways to lose. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Ohio State and, and Michigan. We we disrespected Michigan. <laughs> yeah, we thought this is not going to be the year they did it, but Hassan fucking wrong. Haskins, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, Hassan Haskins beat Ohio State on his own. Pretty much. 
28 carries, 169, five touchdowns. He outscored Ohio State on his own. Ashley's defense is brutal, man. Oh, my God. There's not a single playmaker on that entire defense. And the uh, run defense was dreadful. Uh, and it definitely showed. <laughs> like, I was told – I thought that, like, someone like Haskell Garrett was going to be able to stop the run. Jonathan Cooper had eight uh, – Cooper? No. No, no, no. Zach Harrison is the one I'm thinking of. God, I'm getting guys confused from last year. Can you tell the coffee hasn't kicked in yet? No, uh, Zach Harrison had a sack, but like did fuck all else the rest of the game. Um, I mean, God, CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Thank God we have them for another year. That's, oh, is there, is there a more fun connection in, in college football than those two guys? Him and Garrett Wilson. <laughs> Him and Garrett Wilson. Yeah, you're right. But. but uh... It just okay. wasn't enough, man. You know what? I'm going to be totally transparent on my draft coverage. I have not gotten to Ohio State offensive tackle Nicholas Pettit Frere. I haven't, I haven't done a, a full evaluation of like where I've actually sat down and focused in on Ohio State's offensive line to get him and Thayer Munford out of the way. And for the first time, I was sitting there, I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to focus on them in this game. I'm going to try. It was not a good game for either of those guys, as uh, David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson ate their lunch, then gave them a new lunch, and then stole that lunch and ate that one, too. Yep, it was a signature game for Hutchinson. Three sacks. Three sacks. Ajabo had one, or I think he had a sack, or maybe he had two. He only yeah, had one. Mm-hmm. It felt like the two of them were just like meeting at the quarterback every play and high fiving when they got up. I mean, pretty much that was what happened. They just kept flushing him to one side or the other and right into Hutchinson or, or Jabo. So they're the definitely the best tandem uh, in college football in terms of pass rush and probably one of the best tandems we've seen in a long time. I mean, they, they completely take over games and we said for Michigan to have a chance, they have to get an enormous amount of pressure, and that's what they did. They they forced Stroud into some uncomfortable situations, and uh, they were able to get off the field more times than not. And Michigan defense is for real. I know that, you know, the game against Michigan State, people were like, oh, they're just kind of a fluky team. I mean, Michigan was clearly the better school, you know, better program, but it was just Michigan State's day, but. Michigan's now heading to the Big Ten Championship. Um, They'll face Iowa. I, I mean, I we'll get yeah. into that game, but yeah, I mean, Michigan should be heavily favored in that game. I mean, I Iowa, think so too. I would barely escape Nebraska. So, oh yeah, I actually, I was like, oh yeah, we'll get into that game. Completely forgot to talk about it. That was actually a Friday game, but yeah, they they beat Nebraska. Yeah, and, and they struggled doing so. So, and yeah, Nebraska they, finished with a point differential of zero. Despite being three and nine. Yes. And, and the best thing is, okay, so they, uh, their one Big Ten win is the reason they finished with a point differential of zero. Because if you add up all of their losses in conference, it was 49 points. And they beat Northwestern by 49. Oh, Northwestern's a big joke. Um, 
But, oh my god, I, Jim Harbaugh, finally! Finally! See, did something, did something against a big time rival. He has a combined four wins against Ohio State and Michigan State, and three of those wins are against Michigan State. Got stuff somewhere. I mean, if they couldn't do it this year, I mean, I honestly don't know when they would have did it. Dude, college football this year is fun, okay? Think about it. Like, we have conference championships that don't include Ohio State, Clemson, USC, Oklahoma. I mean, for God's sakes, our Big Ten championship is Michigan versus Iowa. And up until two weeks ago, it could have been Purdue versus Michigan State. ACC championship, Pitt, Wake Forest. Right? Uh, this is I mean, amazing. This is even, what we needed. Even the, Mountain, even the Mountain West is different. They got San Diego State and Utah State. Utah State hasn't been to a championship game since like 2013. San Diego State hasn't been since 2016. So there's just new blood everywhere. There, there, there's no Boise. There's no... Um, like Nevada, like we thought. The Pac-12, I mean, Washington State and Oregon State were competitive this year. Stanford went three and nine. College football was the most unpredictable it's ever been. And this is amazing. We also get Western Kentucky UTSA in the Conference USA right. Championship. That's going to be a good like, one. UTSA was ranked for several weeks. Yeah, they're not going to be ranked anymore. No, they lost to North Texas, but that game didn't matter. They had already clinched it. All right, let's talk about Bedlam. Speaking of blowing leads, okay. Again, watched this on um, on delay. I think by the time I started, it was in the third quarter. And I know that Oklahoma State got off because I started it like on on mute on my laptop, like when it was live, and then I just like was trying to multitask and do too many things at once. So I'm like, all right, you know what? It's already recording. I'll watch it later. So I know that Oklahoma State had gotten off to a good start. And then I look and I see that Oklahoma is up by by nine. And I'm going, oh, Jesus Christ. You know, all the only thing I wanted was a Big, Ten, a Big 12 championship that didn't have Oklahoma. I wanted Baylor in the Big 12 championship because this is like the one year, realistically, that they have a chance because – at the time, we didn't know what we know now. And I'm going, well, you know what? It's a down year for Oklahoma. They'll be back next year. And, you know, Oklahoma State is, you know, inconsistent. They've already, uh, you, you know, they, they the only reason they beat Baylor is because Baylor was missing its best players. I want to see that game, everybody fully healthy, ready to go. And I was like, no, I'm not going to get it. And then Oklahoma just collapsed what is Eric Gray doing calling for a fair catch and then trying to field that fair catch inside his own five by the way dreadful season from Eric Gray dreadful season from him no way can he can he realistically declare for the draft could he transfer (laughs) legitimately both Tennessee guys that, that that came in from that went from Tennessee to Oklahoma, lost their starting jobs. 
uh, and they launched their, you know what, never mind, I'm not going to spoil it. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> anyway, the, the old mantra is you're supposed to have your heels on a 20-yard line, and you don't go back to get the ball mm. past the 10. And he broke every rule. He broke he got- every single rule, fumbled it, shocker, ends up being an Oklahoma State touchdown. As soon as Oklahoma State took the lead, you just knew Oklahoma was done. They pulled a Texas. Never yeah. go full Texas. Yeah, I mean, I guess at least Texas won on on Friday. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was bad for Oklahoma, and and now everything makes sense. It makes sense why it Oklahoma does. was playing the way they were. And again, we mentioned it. We might as well get into that. Obviously, all Baylor needed to do in order to punch their ticket. Uh, they had done it earlier in the day, but they needed an Oklahoma State win, and then they needed to beat Texas Tech, and they did. Surprisingly down performance from Abram Smith. He did have 117 yards and a touchdown, but he had to do it on 30 carries, which is very un-Abram Smith of him. Uh, but Baylor's leading receiver was a running back. It was Tristan Ebner, four catches, 118 and a touchdown. Baylor is going back to the Big 12 championship, and it reminds me of Matt Rule's second season at Baylor. Remember, they were shit in his first year. Then they made the Big the Big 12 championship game and lost to Oklahoma. Dave Aranda's second year. His first year, bad. They're not bowl eligible. They don't play well. Second year, come out. They're, they're guns blazing in the conference championship, facing a team from Oklahoma, just not the team from Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it, it, this was just a weekend of, of very winnable games for teams. It, yep. And it's just like, to me, it, it's kind of indicative on how their seasons went, right? Because Oklahoma escaped Kansas State, escaped um, West Virginia. Te- yeah, West Virginia. And Texas. Escaped Texas. Kansas. But when they played actual good defenses in Baylor and Oklahoma State, so happened. You can't blow a game against those teams, you know? So that just goes to show you Oklahoma really wasn't as good as we thought they were, and it makes sense because their coach was already out the door. <laughs> so he kind of wanted them to lose. De- De- Devin has teased this like six times. Oh, well, we'll talk about that later. They goes, you know what? Fuck it. We're already talking about Oklahoma. Might as well just do it. Um, other games that mattered. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Wisconsin lost to Minnesota, meaning that Wisconsin won't be in next week's Big Ten championship game. I couldn't possibly care. It's only uh, Daniel the... Falele is actually going to the Senior Bowl, so there's something we, it, from this game. You tell me the, from this game that matters. You tell me the 17 year old couldn't beat up Minnesota. You, you're supposed to be the next big thing. Uh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Uh, Wake Forest crushed our hopes and dreams of of NC State in the. Uh, ACC championship game. They just pounded the shit out of Boston College, 41 to 10. Well, Phil Dracovic played very poorly. Horrifically. Horrifically. Poorly. Like, I I don't know what happened. 19 yards? That's it? That's it? (laughs) Jinx, by the way. You owe me a soda. 
He's putting up Cam Newton numbers right now. I think we just lost Jared from. Yeah, I think he just unsubscribed from the pod. But no, like that was that was basically it in terms of games that had high stakes this week. Weren't a whole lot, which is fine. But there's more important things for us to talk about on the other side of this quick break. Like our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the planet for whatever your needs are. With nine amazing flavors to choose from, all of which covered in 100% chocolate. Oh, by the way, guys, they have several monthly special offer bars as well, all of which have up to 19 grams of protein with only 4 grams of added sugar and 4 grams of net carbs. Built Bar has whatever you're looking for, whether you're looking for a delicious snack, a pre- or post-workout bar, or need to keep up with your macros, Built Bar is a top-of-the-first-round protein bar. See what I did there? Draft puns. Head on over to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code BIGSHOTS for 10% off your next order. That's BIGSHOTS, all one word, 10% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Hey, we are back, and you know what? Let's just talk about the big one. Let's talk about the big news from the week, Devin. Temple fired Rod Kitt. No, fuck that. Uh, sorry, Dante. <laughs> the big news from the weekend. So, if you didn't join the Tyler Fornis Twitter spaces with myself, AJ Schulte, Andrew Harbaugh, um, uh, Eric Crocker was there as well. It was just a grand old time. You definitely missed out because there was a lot of expose from AJ who has connections from within the program. And we we knew that the LSU-Lincoln-Riley rumor that was floating around for like two or three days was completely bogus. Like, there was no indication it was going to happen from anyone that actually matters. There was a particular blogger that um, w- was talking about his sources who have sources. So, like, you're on, like, a Zoom call or you're reading message boards. And, and the thing is, Devin and I know this person. Devin and I legitimately know this person. And it was just – it was infuriating to watch, as Fornis put it on, on uh, Sunday night, the – the clear cut clout chasing. Everybody wants to be first that they've just thrown journalistic integrity out the damn window. All this to say Lincoln Riley to LSU was never going to happen. And then we started. Go ahead. I was just going to say it it would have been a long shot, man. Like, look to me, if that was going to happen, like there would have been indication that, something was going on and I never got the indication that LSU was close to making um, a deal with anybody. I mean, they swung and missed on Mel Tucker, Franklin, Aranda. So you all of a sudden you're going to get Lincoln Riley. Like it just didn't feel right. If, if they say who their candidates, they say they are. How do you all of a sudden pivot to Lincoln Riley after all those names? Right. right. So it, it, it just didn't. The, it the, it the, seemed it wrong didn't. from the get go. Like something just seemed like it didn't make sense. There was a verbal agreement put in place. And then, you know what? 
here's the thing, and I mentioned this with 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 Fordo, and we will get to the main story in a second. But when it was proven false by Pete the Mel of Yahoo, Bruce Feldman of the Athletic, this person goes, "Well, like my sources must have been wrong. It, it's the ass covering that that bothers me even more." Yeah, look, it's to me that's actually worse because. If you're wrong, own up. Own up to it. That's why I don't mess with the the sources and and all those things. Like, look, like but if just, you just in general, like you, you want to apply this to the draft because it's a draft pro- podcast. I've missed on players. I've missed on high profile players. I thought Kyler Murray wasn't going to be good. I, I've owned up to that. I have Kyler Murray's jersey hanging in my closet. I thought Josh Allen wasn't going to be good. I've owned up to that. Josh Allen's jersey is hanging in my closet. I thought that Jared Goff was going to, you know, was going to be the best quarterback in the class. Hasn't happened. I thought Paxton Lynch was going to be better than, than Carson Wentz. That hasn't happened. Yes. Safe to say I'm not the greatest when it comes to, you know, to evaluating quarterbacks, but I own the fact that I'm not the greatest at evaluating quarterbacks. I don't make it's excuses. Quarterback. Quarterbacks are just terrible to. Yeah, but like there, there are other players in the league where, even in the last year, I've been very wrong on them, and I've owned up to it. I've owned up to it. Devin knows exactly which player I'm talking about, but he won't be named on this podcast. (laughs) But like, just if you if you're genuinely wrong, and if you're proven wrong, own it. It's, it's, it's the simplest thing you can do. Don't make excuses for yourself. Just take some responsibility, take a step back and go, I was wrong. I admit I was wrong. And I will, if it's something about sources, fine. You know what? I'll make sure that my, that, that my sources are, are better connected or, you know, find better trusted sources. Dante mentioned the rule of three. This source has to be proven right three times for he'll ever consider it as an actual source like this isn't hard this isn't rocket science people it's a problem in 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 draft scouting it's a problem in news reporting everybody wants to be first no one wants to actually you know do it the right way it seems and it's annoying moving on to the big topic it then came out oh by the way from pete the bell of u.s of uh of yahoo oh by the way lincoln riley's agreeing to terms with usc and that was just an absolute bombshell because within 12 hours of the uh, LSU fiasco, I'm going, I still don't know. Like, I know Pete the Mel is, is someone that we can we can trust, but I, 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 I don't believe it. And then Feldman drops. And I'm like, all right, never mind. <clears throat> and in talking to AJ Shelty, the way that that Lincoln handled all of this. I, were you, 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 you may not know this, Devin, and for the, and our listeners definitely may not know this. Lincoln Riley literally went into a team meeting for Oklahoma, pulled all the players, all the coaching staff, went to the, went to the front of the room and said, yep, I'm taking the USC job to the coaches. Any of you are welcome to join my staff. And now Bob Stoops is in charge. By the way, that's it. I'm leaving. Bye guys. That was all he said. He got it done in three sentences in five minutes. 
And AJ talked about, like, this wasn't, oh, th- th- this happened overnight. No, no, this wasn't something that happened overnight. As he put it, like, they came out of the bye week and then just, like, looked completely flat. Now, I can't remember when, o- when Oklahoma's bye week is, because also we were talking about that at, like, 11, excuse me, 11.30 p.m., so it, it slipped my mind. But they had a bye week, and I think it was right after the Texas game. No, it was, uh, they beat Texas, they had to come back, then they just thumped, uh, TCU, then they had the bye week, and then it was the Kansas game. And they just looked really sluggish, and then like, <clears throat> bounced back against Texas Tech, and then the, the two score loss to Baylor, and the sluggish performance against Iowa State. Like, AJ is talking about this has been in motion for like a month. Well, actually, I found out from AJ, it's been going on since, like, September. So they have been talking since, like, September about the USC because opening. Because USC fired Clay Hilton really early so that they could get a jump on this. Because, like, if, if USC waits and goes through another 6-6 six and six or 8-4 and four season with Clay Hilton and then fires him, they're only just getting started on this now. Meanwhile, they can go, like, all right, well, we just, fi- we just fired Clay Hilton. We're USC. We're a legacy program. And if Mel Tucker can get $95 million to stay at Michigan State, which would have been a poaching ground two, three years ago, well, we now need to pay someone 10, 11, 12 a year. We're talking NBA seventh guy in the rotation money, Devin. But, like, if we're going to back up several Brinks trucks and, you know, give them their own private island, we need to make sure that it's a, it's a coach that's worthy of that. Let's go get Lincoln Riley. And, like, it, it Oklahoma, AJ was saying, has not had a, a coach leave for another school since, like, the 60s. This doesn't happen to Oklahoma. The last coach that they, the last coach that they had to, that they had leave for any other head coaching job, Devin, was when they lost Barry Switzer. That was in the eighties. Yeah, look. Like we just don't see this happen. So like the entire college football landscape is upside down because of this. Like, Lincoln Riley's gone to USC. And where does that leave Oklahoma? Early signing day is in two weeks. Well, the terrible thing about this is, or what at least it seems to me, is that he knew he was going to leave, and he still recruited players to Oklahoma. Like Those this same is players a- are now decommitting. Yeah, and, and this listen, this is this is what is very ugly about college football, right? Because this is not a decision that you make overnight. You know what I'm saying? Like if you had this lined up for weeks and weeks, like I get not wanting it to leak or get out in the media, but you had to let these recruits know, like, look, I'm not going to be here next year. Like, are you sure you want to sign here? 
then it, it's just going to get ugly, man. Because what's going to happen is the next person that comes into Oklahoma and, and takes over and, and becomes a head coach, you're going to have to clean up the mess of recruiting because they're not going to be a top recruiting place anymore. You're going to start losing recruits to other Big 12 teams for now and then you're moving to SEC. Exactly. And, th- and you know what? Like, you're, you just lost the best recruiter you've had. He's going out west. You guys were bringing guys from the west coast into Norman, Oklahoma, which I can't imagine is an easy thing to do. West coast, best coast to literally, I don't know what there is to do in Norman, Oklahoma. I've got to be completely honest with you. There's probably not a whole lot, but now you're going to the SEC. And, you know, again, you don't have a lot of time. You basically, Adrian was saying, you've got two weeks to get a new head coach. Got two weeks. And this came out of left field for everyone. Like, people in the building were completely shocked that this happened. And, I mean, Bob Stoops has stepped up and, and, and steered, is saying he's steering the ship for the time being, but like, He's not. He can't come back. He's not going to come back. He's enjoying retirement. He's enjoying retirement. Wants to spend time with his kids. Now, like, do you just, like, use it, Stoops, as, like, a a one-year band-aid and then just go get your guy next year? Because what does that do for recruiting when you head into the SEC? They have to find an answer quick, and I just don't think they're going to get. Give me, give me three names. Give me three names you think would would genuinely work for Oklahoma. Uh, Kalen Dobeer from Fresno, looking like he's going to Washington. Well, Jay Norvell maybe. Potential, potentially the Jay Norvell, the Nevada coach. Now here's the problem with Jay Norvell. Like, yes, he's well connected in that program. He was there for a couple of years. He's well connected with the Big 12. Is he ready to go from Nevada to Oklahoma? He's going to have to be ready. (laughs) Here's the thing. I was saying Jay Norvell for TCU and Texas Tech. That is more the Power 5 level I think he'd be ready for now. Also, at the same time, he is in his 50s. So it is like it would have to be time for him to, to get going. So maybe it's Jay Norvell. Dave Aranda is another name. Now listen, there's rumors. He, we're, ta- we're doing this on Monday. He's supposed to sign that extension today. He's signing it. I would assume so. Look, there's nothing. That, that that, that's the name can... that AJ wants. That's the name that AJ wants more than anything. Like AJ would like sell his firstborn child to make sure that Dave Aranda ends up the head coach of Oklahoma. I'll give you one more name. And it's a little unfair to him. Mark Stoops. I just. Would he leave Kentucky, though? I don't think so. Look, to me, if you're an SEC coach, what does leaving your current school and going to Oklahoma, what does that do for you? You know, it's like Oklahoma has the allure. They have the, you know, quote unquote history, but. Mark Stoops has built the Kentucky program for nothing. And there have been plenty of teams that have tried to come in and get him. Who in, who in, who in Oklahoma is going to go in there and be like, you can take this job? I mean, there's a rumor that Cliff Kingsbury is on there. He's on their list, but dude is coaching NFL right now. 
Like, it, he's not. I genuinely going don't sh- know. I I genuinely don't know. In fact, I just found an article from Sporting News. So take 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 what you will. I'm gonna run through the, these names, and you just tell me a simple yes or no, okay? So Bob Stoops. I'm not a believer in re redoing old coaches. Also, he's 61 and enjoying works. retirement. So it never works. Mark Stoops. No. You, you I, say, I say no because I don't think he's going to leave Kentucky. Matt Campbell. Maybe. Maybe. I mean. I don't think so. See, the, the, the problem is with Oklahoma is that you're not just getting a Big 12 Oklahoma. You're also getting a future SEC team. So if you're signing but, a contract, it's a three-, four-year deal, and you have to make a transition to a whole new conference to and be competitive immediately. That's hard. That's um, hard. Josh Heupel. The only reason this is brought up is that Heupel was on, was, was the quarterback for Oklahoma when they won the Natty, uh, back in the nineties. Legacy hires don't work. Jo- uh, yeah. So Josh Heupel, no, this one doesn't make any sense to me because he's never coached outside of, uh, out of, outside of the state of, uh, Ohio. Uh, Luke Fickle. Oklahoma's, I just, I just don't know how alluring Oklahoma to the SEC is. Right. Be- Cause it's like, you're no longer the big fish. You're, you're a minnow in, in the SEC. You're, you're, you're not just, Oh, like we face Texas and that's our biggest competition. Like you're not going to have to face Alabama and Georgia. And are you competing with those schools? All, you know, on the recruiting trail, not a whole lot. Now you will be. I just don't see it. Luke Fickle. I mean. He's waiting for like an Ohio State or a Michigan. He he's a big he would be a Big Ten area guy. Yeah, he, I, he, I feel like he, he wants he wants the Rust Belt. I don't think Penn State is, if they were to open, but they're not because they just they just backed up a Brinks truck for James Franklin to make sure he didn't leave. We mentioned Jay Norvell, and then the last one here is Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze is not coming back to the SEC, man. It's just no. not happening. It it will be a terrible mistake for them to bring in Hugh Freeze, considering he has recruiting, uh, you know, issues in the past, allegations, et cetera. It's just not a good look. You cannot sell your boosters a hire for Hugh Freeze. You just can't. And I think they just locked them up for a longer deal anyway at Liberty. So it'll be no, 2028. Yeah. So he's, he's not coming back to SEC now. He doesn't need to. There were other coaching changes. The other one being Billy Napier going from Louisiana Lafayette to uh, to Florida. Florida. What do you think about this hire? I don't like it personally. I, I wanted to see Napier somewhere else besides Florida, but Florida, Florida got got this one right, man. I, I think they, they did. did. They did. And you know what? I, I I mentioned this when I was talking with Forno that we've seen this this. Weird gateway of Sunbelt to SEC. Yep. Eli Drinkwitz went from one year at App State with a program that was handed to him by Scott Satterfield's success, went to Missouri. Now, Billy Napier, like, Billy Napier would have been a great hire for someone like TCU or 
or Texas Tech, but you knew he was going to get a bigger job. You knew he was going to get a bigger job. We've been talking about him since last year. Yeah. You know, when they beat Like, we knew he was ready to go Power 5. We knew it was going to be, all right, whichever mid-level Power 5 school that's on the edge of being a contender opens up next, it's going to be him. We just didn't think Florida was going to be that school. Now, Florida, listen, they had a dreadful year this year. Billy Napier is going to come in, and he's going to fix that program. Well, he's a great recruiter. He's getting dudes at Louisiana Lafayette, and he's turned them into a top Sun Belt program and overnight. I mean, that should tell you everything you need to know about him, and he's a personality. Mm-hmm. Scare money don't make money. So, I mean, he's the perfect uh, epitome of an SEC coach because you got to be. He's going to be able to get them. He's going to get them to an SEC championship game in the next two years. I won't be surprised. That defense is going to be fixed. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that offense. You know what? The, here's the problem. So you look at Louisiana Lafayette's offense this year, and it's not overly impressive because their quarterback Levi Lewis was just terrible this year. Just terrible. Uh, like Levi Lewis is is in the fourth tier of college football. Uh, sorry, of, of college, uh, you know, of NFL draft all star games. Fourth tier. You run his offense of. Listen, we have three backs that can all put up a thousand yards on you. And then we offset that with bombs down the field with a quarterback that can throw the ball further than 20 yards. Florida's going to have a lethal offense in a couple of years. Well, they're actually going to design the offense probably around Anthony Richardson and Which what he what does the team well. Should have done. But they were wanted to play Marie Jones for 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 whatever reason. So I, you almost cussed there, and it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I held that in. But no, uh, I, I honestly think um, they they got the higher right, and and they didn't they did it in no time. They knew exactly who they wanted to get. They got in and got out of the coaching search. That's what you got to do. Because uh, I'm starting to get worried about OCU. I'm not gonna lie to you. I do think they're going to get a B or C rate coach at this point because there's not much left out there. Are there any other college football coaching Sun, vacancies that were solved over the week? Sun, Sonny the Dykes week? is expected to be named. Uh, ah, expected because he, he, now he's come up with uh, Oklahoma as well. Expected to be named the TCU uh, head coach. So. I think they're going to make it official uh, when you're listening to this today. Yeah. So that, that's that been solved. Um, I don't think there's been really any other major coaching news. No, uh, Duke, that... Duke let go uh, David Cutcliffe. Oh, did they? Yeah, that happened I missed night. that. I missed that entirely. Yeah, so he's not coming back to Duke, so I have no clue who takes that. Uh, I believe they said – who there was a coach that's interested in the Akron? I think it's OC Joe Moorhead. Joe Moorhead, yeah. That came up too. So I... okay, let me talk about this one because we've we've talked about Joe Moorhead on this podcast before when his hot when his seat was getting hot at, at Mississippi State. Yeah. He got he got hosed at Mississippi State. He, he got hosed. There's no other way around it. But I mean. Akron, man. Akron. 
Akron. Action, baby. I'm like all, I, un- I'm I understand, I love he it. like he like started his coaching career at at Akron, but like Akron. Look, some people have different different I, uh, checklists, and I guess he wants to make match or Akron a uh, legitimate Mac contender, which I'll be like, all for. Cause I, like I, he was Penn, he was Penn State's offensive coordinator. Then he goes to be head coach at, at Mississippi State. Then he ends up. Getting fired Oregon. by Mississippi State. He's at Oregon. Oregon. If Cristobal Lee, if Cristobal leaves, that job is his. Maybe he doesn't want it, <laughs> or he doesn't think Cristobal leaves. I don't think Cristobal leaves. I don't think so either. But like, you have like a, 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 a apologies to to Akron fans, but I think Oregon's a better job. Oregon's OC is probably still a better job than Akron's head coach. A hundred percent, but I will say Akron, they, they have potential, but they got potential. They just need, they just need some, some good recruiting classes. I will say that they have potential though. They could compete in the Mac, but it's going to take a lot. It's gonna take it's gonna take at least three years for them to get anywhere near competitive, and I genuinely don't know if they are gonna wait that long. So, so I read something that I shouldn't have while we were still still recording. <laughs> don't check the blue chip chat. Just don't. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get on out of here? Nah, um, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, I do have a article coming out later this week uh, that I'm excited to share. So that is that is coming through, and then about to start these final evaluations. So definitely looking forward to it. Uh, um, that, that's gonna do it for today, guys. As always, you can find me. <laughs> On Twitter at MikeH underscore draft. You can find Devin on Twitter at RealD underscore Jackson. You can follow the show on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. Follow our work at Blue Chip Scouting. Follow Blue Chip Scouting at Blue Chip Scout. And we'll talk to you guys on Friday and we'll have probably a whole lot more to talk about. We'll see you guys then.